This is the movie Hall of Fame for Wednesday, May 31st, 2023. I am Nico. I am your host. Joined today, as always, by Adam Hall and a special guest, Nick Evangelista from Why Is This a Thing, Two Cents Radio, and my life, one of my great friends. Today, we are not talking films. Instead, we are talking about two television shows that may well one day earn a spot in the TV Hall of Fame. Succession and Barry both wrapped up their runs on the home box office network this past Sunday in, I would say, excruciatingly painful fashion. And uh, the first half of the show, Adam, Nick, and I discussed the Barry finale, and then Adam went away because he is not caught up with succession, unlike the rest of the internet. And so uh, here it is, Movie Hall of Fame, TV edition, talking succession and Barry, the series finales of each show. Your dad. Will he escape prison? And I ran away with him. Why was he in prison? Because he killed a lot of people. Because he was a soldier? No. Because he was a murderer. And I'm a murderer too. I killed a man. I deserve whatever happens to me. So, uh, yeah, Barry's done. Big picture. What do we think, gents? I love like 80 to 90% of the episode. Mm. I think almost everything about it is pretty damn great. And then you hit the epilogue and things start to get a little weird for me. Yes. Um, I love the ideas. This is the thing I bump up on with movies all the time where it's like on paper, it's a wonderful, very smart, really kind of interesting satire going on here. Um, But the effect, just when I sit there and watch it, I wasn't like, hell yeah, man. It was different. Did you not say hell yeah when your boy Jim Cummings showed up, though? I... I, Did you not pump your fist? I was happy with Jim Cummings, like, internally a little bit. That's your guy. But then the movie preceded it. Right. Uh, which we'll, we'll exchange thoughts on. But, you know, I was th- it's funny when we were talking uh, over chat about um, putting this in the category of, like, what the hell is it? Kind of like Twin Peaks. And it made me think of the ending of Twin Peaks The Return, mm-hmm. which is a similarly just, like, like you, you cannot see that ending coming. There is no predicting it because, like, it, it does not exist on this planet. No. So it's, like, it's impossible <laughs> to predict something in a universe that you don't understand the rules of. It it should be so wrong and it should piss so many people off, yet it is about as perfect of an ending as I've ever seen of any television show in the history of the medium. Yeah. It's, no, you it's could, you could end the medium there, actually. Yes. Like, it serves as an ending to television it's, as a it's thing. It's incredible. Yeah. And there was a bit of me that was like, maybe this was going for the same thing. I don't know. But... Yeah, just something about me. I'm not quite making the leap, and I don't know why, and maybe I just need to sit on it for a little bit longer. I think overall it's a good episode. Is it a perfect finality of the whole thing? Maybe, maybe not. Eh. It's a little rushed, let's be honest. I would agree. It's a little rushed, and I think that's kind of the weirdest part about it is how it feels like, you know, we're just done now. Right. The show could keep going, but like... I'm just done. I'm done writing this. I'm done playing Barry. 
and I don't want to leave any question marks. I mean, part of it felt like he killed Barry because it was the right thing to do for the story, but part of it felt like he killed Barry because he wanted to finish Barry. Yes. Without any equivocation. Yeah, no question marks for the spinoff movie, for the sequel show. One day. Can we force you to do one more? None of that. Well, I like that about it, that it just completely says, no, we're not doing that. We're done. This is it. Well, and as a commentary on, on the industry, there is um, something there. Sure. Right? And the fact that the show ends, I mean, right after... Should we say spoilers? I mean, I like, think we're I well past that point. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I the fact that right after Barry dies, we cut to like you know curtains closing on a play kind of thing, and then from there we cut to um, a film about the the film that they were talking about about Barry and Cousineau, except with a few changes based on the recent events, making Cousineau the villain and Barry now some hero. All of this is commentary on Hollywood and on the the system, Um, and it's certainly not nice commentary on Hollywood. Hell no. Which is really uh, kind of ballsy for a guy who's finishing his first show. Yes, and is ready and is ready to like go to every studio in the town and be like, so and start pitching. I got a seventy-five million dollar horror movie (laughs) idea, and it's really fucking weird, (laughs) and it's gonna lose money almost assuredly. But maybe we can make it back overseas. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I'm gonna shit on the industry and then start begging the industry for money for my next project. But I mean, there is a lot of resentment towards the industry. Like he hates Hollywood. Yeah. Like despises it. This is the most like bleak, nihilistic view of Hollywood I've ever seen. Period. Yes. <laughs> it's really rough. Right. Um, and that's the thing. I maybe I'm brushing up against like sort of like deeply, deeply nihilistic ideas going on with that ending. Mm. And it's just like, does that make for a compelling ending? I mean, by nature, I guess it doesn't because that's what it's about. But right. I, I don't know. It's 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 just a hard pill to swallow. <laughs> you know, when we watch things, we want to a lot. Frankly, a lot of times we want to feel happy when we watch things, and this does not. This does not make happy. I I, I have a feeling a lot of this, like if I have negativity towards it, I think a lot of it has to do with my own uh, expectations. This might have been more on me than the show itself. Yeah. Well. Okay. So here's here's the thing, right? Like number one, the show doesn't end with a character that we have spent the entirety of the four seasons with, right? It ends with a character that we were introduced to a few episodes ago, only three weeks ago, and an actor that we were introduced to literally three minutes before the show ends, an older version of Barry's son. So I think that might be part of it, right? Like, we are conditioned now, like, at the end of Lost when Jack closes his eyes and takes the one dying breath. It comes full circle with him opening his eyes, that being the beginning shot of Lost, right? We're constantly obsessed with this idea of coming full circle, right? And the thing about Bill Hader that I find fascinating, and I think it's one of the reasons why people are having a hard time with this finale, is that he fucking hates Barry. (laughs) And he hates him more than... I think anyone watching the show and he resents this idea that Barry was supposed to get a redemptive ending or a happy ending or a conclusive or uh, thematically significant ending. This guy has always been like, what would really happen if a hit man went to an acting class? Right. (laughs) Well, and isn't it also interesting that he hates Barry and then he makes Barry 
exactly the type of person that Hollywood would glorify. Sure. Frankly, everybody should hate Barry, objectively. The fact that he's glorified is, again, more commentary on who the people at the top, the people who are running the show and what they like. And I think Kusinow actually in the last episode when it uh, appeared to him like Daniel Day-Lewis was going to be interested in playing him in a movie version of himself, explained to the fake agent over the phone that there was a lot more to the story than people knew. It was much more complicated. He's kind of a tragic figure. So like Kusinow, who is the biggest victim definitively in this entire show. There is no one that has suffered more at the hands of Barry than Gene Cousinow. The fact that he's actually searching for redemption in him is kind of an indictment of like this entire 21st century prestige, difficult man TV genre, right? <laughs> well, and the way, the way we, especially artists, the way we look at regular life as if it's a story, as if there's a way things are supposed to go. Right, and, there's, and that there's this sense of cosmic justice. I, I, I got to be honest, like when, well, maybe it's a, it's, it's an okay thing, but I didn't feel bad for Kusano at all by the ending of this, not even a little bit. I was like, eh, okay, you got what you deserve. Fuck you. I mean, <laughs> I didn't feel like the, the punishment fit the crime. Right. But like karmically speaking, it did feel like this was something he wrought on himself. If you go back to season one, two, he sought to use Barry just as much as anyone else. Oh yeah. 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 Sure. He's not a great guy, but no, and the, and the show was kind of hiding the ball on us with that because there was so much talk of them having this sort of untraditional, non-traditional father-son relationship, and you figure that's where the show is going to end with some sort of reconciliation, and he kind of gets that moment with Fuchs. I was going to say we haven't even mentioned Fuchs no, yet, which things. is another really interesting plot line that was on screen for all of two minutes in this episode. But, yeah, you know, but um. I think just as like TV viewers were conditioned for that moment, you know, you think of all of the the great uh, prestige TV finales, you think about Breaking Bad and Mad Men and Sopranos and like all of those, you know, although they end in very different ways, all of them, they end with some sort of note of, well, not Sopranos, but redemption or clarity or, you know, a future beyond this hell that they've created for themselves, right? And we're conditioned for that. And we're conditioned for the show to end with the two of them. We're also... And I was thinking about this in relationship to succession, which Nick and I are going to talk about in a little bit. Um, but we're expecting usually a lot more dialogue. And I cannot think of a quieter television show. finale. Well, last season. The whole television show is pretty damn quiet. It's funny you mentioned Twin Peaks. That's really the only one that comes to mind. But there is just, does Kusinow say a word in this episode? I can't, I can't think of a line. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't say anything. Barry says a few things he says the you know to sally in the hotel room that they're gonna you know take a breather and then continue on and he doesn't get the chance to light up his enemies and he doesn't actually use the guns that he purchases in the in the walmart or whatever Mm -hmm. I, i mean i respect the the hell out of it and i respect how unsure i feel about it Oh, you know sure. what I mean? I respect Bill Hader for giving me such a middle finger and leaving me with such like conflicting opinions on this. You know, the show is the most movie TV show ever. Just by what you were describing, the fact that it is so action oriented, it's not the dialogue isn't really the focus here. The characters aren't as traditionally they're cinematic characters for mm-hmm. the most part. So 
Yeah, I mean, I but but I also think that there's no other way you could have done this story. <laughs> right. It, it's still like the best format for it, but you're right that like it, it doesn't operate the way a TV show is supposed to operate at all. Seeing Barry dead, something about that screamed end, and then the show continued, and I think that made it awkward or yes, uncomfortable. Certainly. Whereas. Had they not shown Barry dead and then they chose to show Barry's death through the movie that his son was watching later, maybe that would have been more impactful or felt more like an ending. Yeah. I mean, the show is changing gears every turn. Like that's I mean, that's kind of been his whole ethos when he's made this entire thing. It's like it is the most radically shifty tonal show maybe ever. Yeah, like I, I don't think I've ever seen a show that has fit this many genres into one thing and has been not so much in like the genre blending, but in how it shifts genres completely, how it goes all in on comedy. When it's funny, it's really fucking funny. And when it's dark, it's really fucking dark. And when it's action, like it's the best action you've ever seen yeah, on TV. Weirdly, isn't it? Yeah. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, like, the ending is just another gear shift. I mean, really, the the name of the game here is disorientation, right? Like, that's his whole style at this point. I imagine, like, whatever he does in film, as radically different as it may be from Barry, like, Bill Hader's always going to look to disorient you in some way, right? Like, I I think about the way that he shoots the the shootout, like, the, the big standoff, which is... Yeah, like the climactic moment of the show in many ways. Yeah, it's just huge wide. Yeah, not much else. It's a huge wide. You don't know where any character is. I don't even think you see the bullet go through Hank. No, you don't. Yeah. No, right? Not, not at all. It's weird, too. Like, it's really confusing and chaotic. and me- There's nothing, like, pretty about it. It's just very plain. Here it is. They shoot each other. They fall down. But it is. It, the, the fact that it can be so wide and, like, technically clear yes and i I, i'm still just shocked by everything that just happened and it's hard to really comprehend kind of the 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 amount of violence that just happened right and then the show kind of slowly unspools that way you get that great track and you see the guy's guts hanging out and stuff like that yeah but it tells you all the information at the absolute final moment sure you know what i mean like like you don't know where barry's son is during that i didn't know where fuchs was i was like wait a second where is i couldn't find fuchs sally was in the other room i think she had like run off into the other room she was like behind a pillar or something yeah right right and then hank we get the final moment like for a while there i'm like oh did hank not get shot somehow was he gonna like live through this or something so yeah i mean listen it's designed that way i think the ending nick i think it's supposed to feel like it's a second ending i do and it's funny also that it aired on the same night as succession two radically different shows but now two shows that i think are forever going to be linked because they premiered at the same time and they ended at the same time and they aired on the same network but really like two completely different shows both end ruminating about the things that fathers pass down to their sons Right. And how all of this trauma is generational and how hard it is for someone to change. And even when you embrace the new you and you look for redemption, well, maybe it's too fucking late. Maybe the universe doesn't care. And, you know, and and whatever version of God you believe in, that God is not talking to you through podcasts. That God is not giving you signs and is not sparing you for some sort of like thematically appropriate conclusion. You either do the right thing or the wrong thing, and sometimes you're rewarded for it, or sometimes you're punished for it. But ultimately, that's what defines you at the end, you know. And that's what I thought the ending kind of was. Like, it's really fucking bleak. Nobody makes that a hero. Okay, everyone is still pretending, 
And Fuchs and Hank, the, the two characters that kind of embraced who they were at the end, were the only ones that found a moment of grace. But I don't know. His son's going to keep living the lie that his father was a hero. Sally's going to keep living that lie so she can keep teaching and can can get the glory of a you know a standing ovation from fifth grade parents. She still misses him though. That was the right. weird thing with the, the shot of the flowers on the sea. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. And then the the idea with the son, I got the sense that the show was saying like the the son bought into the bullshit. Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah with with that ending, and that that was the the the, the scarier indictment is that like despite what happens, like you kind of start to believe the lie. Yeah. Because it makes you feel better. Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. It would it would be one thing if um you know the son only knew so much and saw this movie but that scene where sally explicitly says your father's not a hero he's a murderer yes i'm a murderer too <laughs> it's a great scene right i mean she says it outright she says we're not good people and then she s- says i'm a bad mother and you're a good son and i'm just a bad mother and he hugs her and they cry god that's heartbreaking but also there's a movie to make you know what I mean? <laughs> like the story will be told by the victors here, right? Yeah. In some sort of perverse way. Uh, his son is going to keep telling himself the lie that his father told about himself. And who knows if he's going to end up becoming an actor slash serial killer. Um, but oh, I was kind of wondering the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, hmm, where, where's the sun going to go? It's really fucking bleak, though. It's really That's what I'm saying. Bleak. It's like, God, there's just no hope here. And like, man, I don't know if anyone was really ready for that. I think like maybe in the abstract, I was expecting something. I was expecting a downer of some kind. Me too. Me too. But I was, con- I'm just conditioned to you know, wait for the bow for like the conversation that sums everything up and the redemption. And well, that's why I was saying too, at the beginning of this one, I was like, I think my expectations had a lot to do with like my reaction, just the way I've been conditioned to watch TV and movies in general. It's like everything, get video games. I don't care books. It's just, there's a certain, certain neatness that comes with even the most unhappy endings. Frankly, even the Sopranos has a very fine point that it makes with that ending too. Yes. And Uh, it's not quite, this isn't quite the same thing. It, no, it isn't. No. But yeah, Sopranos has some grace at the end. Yes, it In a does. way, yeah, yeah, yeah. In a weird way. This does not no. really have any grace. Again, it has some for Hank, who embraces the love of his life, you know, beyond the grave, but like holds his hand. Mm-hmm. And another just incredible fucking shot in a show full of amazing shots. Yes. Um, You know, Fuchs embraces his true self and gets, you know, not a moment of happiness, but a, a moment of at least like semi-redemption. And he breaks the cycle, right? It's weird that Fuchs, like, ends up being the hero at the end. Yeah, he is. Right. Yeah, the, the scummiest character of them all, right? Yep. <laughs> the biggest sleazebag in the whole show, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, beyond that, I mean, no, Kusinau gets punished. He gets his sort of, you know, this cosmic justice, although it didn't really fit the crime. Also, his son hates him. Sure. <laughs> Believes he shot him, yeah. Yeah. That article title was hilarious, and it felt so real, too. <laughs> like, <laughs> I found out my dad bought my house with mob money, so he shot me. It was like a Mother Jones article or some shit. Like, I don't know. Hilarious. And and the the photo of his son standing, like, triumphantly yes. looking up. Like, right, totally. Was, yeah, 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 that was yeah, good yeah. stuff. Right. Uh, yeah, the first thing I thought of was the Seinfeld finale. That's the first thing I thought of. Like, another show where the creator was just ready to wrap it up, despite everyone else's pleas for him to keep 
it going. He said, no, we're going to end it. And we're going to end it with a moment of cynical reflection, you know, and there's no hugs at the end of this. And yeah, I think Barry kind of like, Alligator went out on his own terms, I guess. Alec Berg did it again, by the way. Alec Berg, yeah, holy shit, yeah, Alec Berg did it again. <laughs> one of the, yeah, one of the Seinfeld writers is uh, one of the creators. One of the, yeah, key collaborators on on Barry. Alec Berg, <laughs> Mr. Berg. <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, um, it's a great show. It's, it's a, a it's a great show. It's yeah. a masterpiece of a show. Yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah, right. God, he just hates that guy. <laughs> he just fucking hates that guy. Like, he is not sentimental about him at all. I think Hater hates a lot of these characters. I think he hates yes. Bar- Barry a- a- and Kusanao, by the way. Sir, yes. <laughs> I think he does not like them at all. Yes. I think he likes Sally to a certain extent, although he complicates the hell out of her by the end of it, right? Like Sally is actually... Like a very well thought out, complicated female character. She's extraordinarily <laughs> unbelievable character. Yeah. Yeah. So often in TV, they're not. So often they're just right. throwaway characters or it's just there to advance the plot. Well, the fascinating thing is the start of the show, she feels like every other fucking character I've, I've seen in this format on a Netflix show, whatever. And the way it breaks that archetype down into something real and human and complicated and as fucked up as anybody else on the show is really remarkable i mean yes i, I didn't like her in, in the first couple episodes right. of, of barry and then i started to see what he was doing and it was just well, yeah, yeah. miraculous <laughs> he had to destroy her oh yeah he had to destroy her <laughs> one of my favorite characters on the show leaving the show too that that was the fact I, I come into it i'm like oh fuck this character and then by the end of it i'm like jesus christ i love sally because she starts out in this place where she is the typical fucking blonde-headed bimbo you see in an acting class yeah exactly. right like this very sincere theatrical earnest young woman that like clearly has that dark side but like would never let that wound be seen by the world right and then when you see that wound get exposed and you see like her true nature it's like oh my god there's a monster hidden yeah. in here <laughs> Uh, yeah, unbelievable show. Uh, it, the, the, some of the greatest feel bad television I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Well, I hear Succession's kind of up up there as like the king of feel bad endings. Oh, we will talk about it, <laughs> Nick and I. Without you here, um, I'll get to it. Speaking of complicated female characters, oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you want the exact opposite, go watch Guardians. It is like. A bad movie that is just all feel good, in my opinion. <laughs> oh, interesting. I don't know. I want to talk about it. I want you guys to go see it. Yeah, um, I will not see it, but I will I will rent it. it the, the reactions to this movie, I can't figure out what the fuck people think of it. Some people are like, it sucks. Other people are like, it's the, it's the best Marvel's been. And I, I've heard the same thing. Like, what's going on? It's, it's the worst of the Guardians movies, but it's better than 50, 60, 80% of what Marvel's putting out right now. I believe that. Oh, by the way. Oh, man. Oh, no. Oh, no. I just watched uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> I thought about it. I'll see it eventually. Where's Where's the thumb pointing? Um, one of the most soulless evil things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard so many people say it's good. It's vile. <laughs> it's It's absolutely vile. It's so bad. Oh Nick. boy! <laughs> no, like it is competent. But, like, that is what is offensive about it. Oh, I see. It is just the least funny, 
there is no heart whatsoever in this thing. Like it, and it's amazing that in this day and age, as fucking Joe Pesci says in Goodfellas, in this day and age, in the age of Pixar and DreamWorks, like how Illumination and, and Nintendo sucks. put out something like so barren. It is just an empty void of a movie that just remixes all the imagery you see in the video game without interrogating it at all. Not like... <laughs> well, I don't know if it needs to interrogate it. No, but listen, it's like, fucking listen, Mario. listen. No, challenge me. Challenge, challenge, challenge me, my... Mario. It's like, uh, grain of salt here. It's not what I mean. That's kind of what I mean. But it's... In, 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 listen. Go, come on. No, but the Lego I, movie was good, okay? Yes. The Lego movie was good. And no one thought Lego that Batman. was going to be good. Lego Batman. Batman was good. Lego Batman is good. Like you can, and Barbie is coming out this summer, and we all anticipate that Barbie is going to be good. Listen, I am not at the Dungeons and Dragons movie was good. Yeah, that wasn't like some major meta, like you know, that wasn't like fucking uh, a mammoth, you know, writing the script there. <laughs> like that is a a fine crowd pleaser that is just slightly better than it needed to be, and that's a you know, that's based on IP. That's a toy movie. Uh, this can be just. A little smart occasionally, it, it, just a little emotional occasionally. Give me something. It is just, hey, you guys like Mario Kart, so you want to hear the origin of fucking the Mario Kart and Rainbow Road? Here it is. I do hate when movies that are playing with IP just basically go, how do we explain everything? That's like the that's the most thought put into it. Is how do we how do we give the origin story for all things this IP? Now you're going to feel so much cooler when you played the game and you're like, I know where that wheel came from. Right. And it doesn't even do that. Like, it doesn't even do that origin. I'm, I'm giving it too much credit. But it just it gives sort of throwaway <laughs> lines. It just like nods to the audience. It uses the most cliche fucking soundtrack. Just Beastie Boys and oh, no. just I mean the <laughs> most like pick a song that no. you that, that you've heard in every car commercial since 2005 that's in this movie. It plays the Bobarino. There, there is not a single original uh, piece of music supervision in this entire fucking thing. You can levy that criticism at Guardians though. I'm sure I could. They play Beastie Boys in this third one. <laughs> Which one? Do you know what song? No sleep till Brooklyn. Fucking hell, Mario. God damn it, same song. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, yeah, they just, there's no, there was no thought put into any of this. There was no thought put into anything other than how do we get the GameCube startup sound effect into the movie somehow? Mm. You know? it's You know what it is? It's a bunch of Wilhelm screams. That's what this movie is. It is a series <laughs> of just, you know, idiots like in the Leo DiCaprio Once Upon a Time in Hollywood meme pointing at the screen being like, I know what that's from. And it says absolutely nothing about these characters at all. Like there's no, I don't even know what the message is of this movie other than like plumbers are good guys too. Jack Black is doing his job. He's doing admirable work. He's trying his best. He's the only guy that... Uh, is it like Jim Carrey and Sonic? Just Right. 
Jim Carrey's actually good in Sonic, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying with Jack Black. No, but even the Sonic movies, I haven't watched them yet. Although my little cousin, who I watched this movie with, um, is, is begging me to watch Sonic with her. You don't need to watch Sonic. No, but my, <laughs> according to you, those movies are like a little better than the average, you know, video game adaptation, right? Oh, what, well, then the average video. <laughs> that's such a low bar. Dude. Yeah, and I don't know. The video game adaptations fucking suck. There's exactly one like good, like definitively good video game adaptation and it's the last of us and like that's that you know it's, right well you don't like the resident evil movies adam <laughs> oh boy that's a whole other podcast my guy i would love to talk about the resident evil game movies yeah. <laughs> well here's my question <laughs> better, better or worse than that or the 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 original oh i mean i don't know i didn't we watch that at 1.5 speed yeah Th- yeah <laughs> that kind of depends on your tastes though doesn't it like do you want competent or do you want no, I mean, this Bad. is certainly more competent than that movie. I mean, I won't lie about that, but I mean, I don't know. There are some laughs that it can be had with the other one. No, this one is, it is totally ser- serviceable at every turn. Just like every decision that was made was the most market-tested, least offensive choice. Every single one. But does it feel like it was made by an algorithm? Sure does. Yeah, yeah, that's a, yeah. no, sure no, does. No, thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. Um, I don't know. Uh, kids love it, I guess. My, my, my little cousin is so obsessed with it. I watched it with her, and every scene, she told me what was going to happen in the scene before it happened. Like, she would just spoil every scene. Don't worry, Mario's going to make it out of here okay. Like, Maybe that ruined it for you. There's I don't, no tension. Well, listen, I, my experience would have been the same either way, because I knew where it was going with or without her commentary, okay? Oh, she didn't spoil anything? No. No. I mean, I think I... Like maybe they'd actually kill Mario. Right. Oh, that'd be the that's a shame. Yeah. That's I mean, again, like, I don't know, like, Mario isn't really a definable character either. You know what I mean? Like, he's not really... Uh, I would say he's definable to a fault. <laughs> to, down to one character trait. Sure. <laughs> so it's not like they had a ton to go with. No. <laughs> that character trait is Italian. There's not a lot you can do with Nintendo characters for no shit. movies. You could do a Metroid movie, but that's about it. Uh, but you know what though? If they do that, they gotta go dark, dude. Yeah, well, yeah, they'd have they'd have to do. Like, I want fucking alien. I don't know. I don't think the Pokemon movies and stuff are nothing. Detective Pikachu. I haven't seen. I Detective didn't see Detective Pikachu. Pikachu, but I saw the cartoons, and like they're not they're not devoid of a soul. I mean, they're not particularly good, but like at least there's a message. At least there's something. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Rough stuff, man. Bleak, bleak, bleak shit. <laughs> bleak. <laughs> I fear for our future. Yeah, <laughs> kind of a movie. Totally. Let's hit. Let's let's hit Frank. Let's offer Frank. <laughs> we can still we can still do this. Bullshit, man. Come on, it's fucking nothing. Stop. No, there, there's there's something here. There's an angle. No, no, no. We it's still... fuck all, man. It's bits of glue and broken shows. Fucking phony news. Fucking, come on. We have this. We can still do this. Oh, my God, man. It's nothing, okay? It's just nothing. It's fucking nothing. Stop it. No, 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 no. Yeah. Hey, we are bullshit. We are not bullshit. We are bullshit. You are bullshit. You're fucking bullshit, man. I'm fucking bullshit. She's bullshit. It's all fucking nothing. Man, I'm telling you this because I, I know it, okay? We're nothing. Okay. Okay. Success. Succession. Succession. Also ended the same night as Barry. Um, another. 
bleak hour of television. Uh, hour and a half. Hour and a half of television. Yeah. Let me ask you, because um, I, I don't watch these on cable. Uh-huh. What order do they show them in typically? Is it Barry then Succession or is it Succession then Barry? Succession then Barry. That's what I thought. Because I, I remembered Barry being on after, I think, Game of Thrones back in the day. Yeah. So I recall it having a late night slot. Yeah, they tend to do the drama first. And they give that the, you know, the, the bulky hour long slot. And then they usually do the quote unquote comedies afterwards as chasers. You know? Right. Not that that was the case with Succession and Barry this past season, but. Jesus. <laughs> but you know what? I, I, let me just lead with my take real quick and then I'll let you riff. Okay. I think this is kind of a happy ending. And I think it might be the happiest ending this show is capable of making. And it's not necessarily happy in, like, the real world. And if your life were to end up the way that the, the Roy's lives ended in this episode, I'm not sure you would be happy. But within the internal logic of this show, like, all of this reaction online being, like, this is such a bleak and cynical conclusion, I don't know if I buy it. Maybe that's a hot take. Maybe that's a little spicy. I don't know, man. I think it's sort of I, I can see where you're coming from. It's sort of the you got what you need, not what you want. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't right. think any of us can take credit for having predicted this ending. But you and I were floating around the idea of honestly, none of them deserve it. And there's a good chance none of them will get it. Right. Um, And I think following that take, you had said, well, I could if it's anyone, it's Kendall. And the show goes that exact same route. The show teases you and goes, listen, at the end of the day, yeah, all three of them had a chance, but it's either Kendall or nobody. Right. And they chose no one. Yeah. And they choose nobody. Yeah. Actually, they choose Tom in a way. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, the, I mean, the powers that be choose Tom. I love that Tom and Greg get their happy ending to a degree. Yeah, I got you. Puts a little sticker on his forehead. And the thing is, like, Tom and Greg are both perfectly okay with not being in charge. Not really. No, I. that is Tom's explicit pitch to Madsen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I will not get in your way. I will do whatever you want. I am your little meat puppet. Yeah, I take the arrows. I, I mean, and he has a track record of this. Yeah. You can literally have sex with my wife. Like, if you want. Like, if that's, like, what you're into, like, I will swallow. I'll bite that bullet. I'll swallow my own load as he does in the first season of this show <laughs> just to make this happen. Yeah, I know. He does not like achieve this like like Kendall uh, dreamed of one day doing of like earning this position through strength, through brute force like his father taught him. No, he right. was the weasel. He was the cockroach that just couldn't get killed and he hung around and he hung around and he hung around and he took his lumps and he made the right moves at the right time and he got there through, you know, kind of ill-gotten gains but in the logic of this show i mean what really is an ill-gotten gain you know did you watch the director talking about the show afterwards sure did i'm assuming you did yeah mm -hmm. he talks about how you know people like tom are often the ones chosen for these roles mm -hmm. you gotta respect this guy for saying it i'm sticking to what would happen right like in a way this ending was surprising but at the same time it is the most reflective of reality it is just on the nose. Yeah, the thing about it, like, and, you know, the, the the finale, I think, is brilliant. I think it's, like, really excellent. And it's one of the best finales I've ever seen of any show, ever. And I, I think they got there because they did the inevitable thing. 
and not the surprising thing. You know, they kind of spit in the face of all of your speculating online of the like Reddit culture. That's like who is going to come out on top at the end of this. You know, they gave you an answer. There was a correct answer. And if you theorize that Tom was going to take over at the end, then come collect your prize or whatever. But um, no, the finale wasn't really about that. It was the inevitable life cycle of this life, you know, of this rat race. And they still managed to surprise you. Yeah, sure. Despite it not being surprising. Yeah, they surprised you with the obvious thing. And I think, like, that's the miracle of of any form of storytelling, not just television. Um, You know, Better Call Saul, that was one of the things we talked about a lot last year. Sure. When Better Call Saul was wrapping up. It's a prequel show. You know where these characters end up. They do the thing that was staring you right in the face the whole time. You know, it's kind of like pulling a rabbit out of a hat. Showing you that the rabbit is in the hat and then pulling it out and you being like, oh, my God, how did you do that? You know, right. Right. <laughs> like, it's 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 the uh, the pendulette and uh, Penn and Teller kind of approach. Right. We'll tell you exactly how the trick's going to go and you'll still be shocked and you'll still be shocked by. It. And that's kind of what this show did. It's like, yeah, of course, none of these kids were going to get it because, of course, they're all horrible at what they do. And that was one of the themes of the show in its final season. It's like. Yeah, Logan was horrible, and he's responsible for the monsters that, that we follow on a week-to-week basis. It's his parenting that got them there, but also he was fucking right, and he wanted so desperately for his kids to be worthy of the title of king, and they just never got there, you know? He tried so hard to craft these killers in his image, and they just, they were never going to be right for the crown. Well, and I love the moment in particular, where they're all saying, well, dad promised it to me. Dad promised it to me. I'm the eldest boy. <laughs> right. But not even that moment where Ken says, he sat me down at seven years old and told me it would be me. And he goes, he shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have, right. Yeah. And he would have been better off telling them, you're never going to be me. This isn't going to be for you. Go live your life. Right. Sure. How much of their life did they miss, these yeah. kids? Right. Because they were chasing nothing. Brian Cox said this in an interview. And at the time, I was like, oh, this is what an actor that's playing a less than sympathetic person would say about their character, just because they're trying to, like, justify the humanity they find in them. But the more I'm thinking about the show, the more it rings true. He said that the tragic flaw of Logan is how much he loved his kids. And, like, that's a weird thing to say about a monster like that. But, yeah, like, yeah, looking back on the show, it's like he actually did love them so much that he created this thing that he couldn't control. He created these monsters, the Frankenstein's monsters that he couldn't like ultimately put out of their misery. You know, it's, it's so funny how little airtime and little resolution. The eldest brother gets, um, Connor, Connor, but the, the ironic thing is Connor doesn't need that resolution because he's already, given up on that stupid dream of running the company. Yes. And of impressing my dad too. That's the other thing. Right. And honestly, Connor, I mean, yeah, his marriage is a little bit of a sham. Yeah, I would. Yeah. But he's happy. And I think she's happy. I think that he and his wife have both found, you know what? We're not in this for love, but that's okay. Cause we're not looking for love. Right. Not, we're just looking for somebody to be there with me for whatever reason. So this is what I want to talk about with, Shiv and Tom, because a lot of people are reading that shot of the two of them in the limo, hand over hand, Tom extending his hand to her and her kind of like resting it on top of his palm 
like she's going to run the company through him? I don't know. I Here's my thing about, okay, can we talk about the shift decision for a second? A lot of people are saying that the decision to turn on Kendall at the last minute was random and out of character. I don't think it was out of character. Yes. You could argue it's random, but I don't think it was out of character at all. I agree. What I will say is I feel like there is this trend of people hating the woman. Yes, certainly. And I feel like they kind of set her up to be hated. Totally. And I'm not sure that's fair. Uh, well, don't. Hey, there's no fucking fair in this universe. All right. That's true. <laughs> there's no that's fair. true. Yeah. What does fair mean? But yeah, it does feel like. It on the surface, it feels like she made an irrational decision. Which she did, by the way. Sure. But maybe the irrational decision was to let Ken have it in the first place. Maybe the irrational decision was her agreement in the first place, not the betrayal at the end. Is there a rational decision in a game that's totally unrational? Sure. You know, right. Like, is there a correct choice? I would say it was more irrational and emotional for her to let Ken have it than it was for her to betray him at the end. Because the only reason she let Ken have it was a way to say fuck you to Madsen. Right. That was the emotional response. Sure. But then she rationally thought about it and said, this is not the right thing to do. So I actually think she was being more rational. Interesting. In that decision to not let Ken have it. Here's what I think. I think she chose to save her marriage. Maybe. Okay. I, I think that's what she cho- like. And no one's reading it that way. Everybody's like, oh, these two are trapped in this like unholy matrimony together. I don't think so at all. Well, I could see how you could read it as for once in her life, she let Tom win. Yes. She gave him an inch. Yes. Right. She, she actually, for a second, looked out for his interests and chose the right thing. Yeah, there's that phone call in the beginning of the episode when she's on the private plane, she's going to go visit her mother in Roman. And she says to Tom, like, do you want to try this out? Do you want to try an actual marriage for the sake of our child that we're now both stuck with? And he goes earnestly. He's like, I don't know. And I think in that moment, she decides, like, oh, maybe this is something that I actually want to pursue. Now, maybe it's because it's the one thing I can't get because finally he's not, you know, you know, kissing the ring and, and grabbing me by my feet as I drag him across the floor, you know, but like she chooses, I think in that moment, like I, I want this, I want a family and it ain't a traditional family and it ain't like the poster of a happy marriage. But like, I I think like in this universe and you said it about Will and Connor already, I don't know if like marriage is anything more than an agreement between two people for mutual benefit. Like, I think like, that might just be how Jesse Armstrong views marriage, you know? And the best ones are the ones where the two parties are most honest with each other. Well, they get what they're there for, you know? Yes. There is an element of, in any relationship, being honest with each other and both people understanding what they want, what the other person wants, and what they're willing to give. Right. Right? I mean... All this stuff about Shiv and Tom saying horrible things to each other at the dinner party. That big argument they have on the balcony, which is brutal. It's all on the table now, though. She goes, exactly. there's no more secrets. We exactly. all, you know. And finally, and that's what the whole sort of season builds to. It's like, finally, they're honest with each other, you know. And in episode nine, when he's been working all day, he misses Logan's funeral and shows up just exhausted from the election night before whatever. She actually shows him a moment of grace. Like, finally, like, this guy has been beaten down so hard by my family and also the world at large that demands this from him. 
you know, and she decides to show him some grace. And I think like it's complicated how she gets there. And I think in the actual meltdown in that scene in the boardroom, I don't know if she entirely knows why she's making the decision. Notice in the dialogue, the way that, that Jesse Armstrong writes it, she changes her reasoning multiple times. At first, she's like, I might have had a change of heart. Actually, dad didn't want you to do it. I don't think you'd be good at it. Actually, you killed a kid. Like, she keeps changing her mind. I, I think the real reason is the reason that was unspoken. I think the reason is she wants to try to do the thing that her mother couldn't do. And she sees this as an opportunity to break the cycle. And that would also, I mean, justify why they spent so much fucking time with the mother who's barely in the show. Right. And in this last episode, they spent so much time with her. It's like, this is what I could be. She actually told me at the end of last season that some people just shouldn't be mothers. And she, you know, and also made the comment when she found out that she was pregnant. What'd she say? Like, blimey, when she saw her at the church. Well, and also, again, the most hurtful thing Tom ever said to Schiff was that I don't think you'd be a good mother. Again, I don't think it's a happy ending so much, but there's a sliver of of good intention in this absolute massacre of an episode. Yeah, again, back to rationality. She was not the one. I mean, she was emotional, but she didn't seem erratic during that scene. It was Kendall who was freaking the fuck out. Yes. There's something you got to give, by the way, to each of these kids in terms of being like their dad, right? Kendall had the the fucking drive to get that 7-6 vote. He almost got it. Yeah. Nobody else could have done that. Roman couldn't have driven those people, right? Uh, Shiv could not have gotten that 7-6 vote. Only Kendall could have. No, she's phony in a way that he's that he's not. And Roman doesn't have the stomach for it. Yeah, he's not a killer. Yeah. Shiv, on the other hand, she has the understanding of, like, right and wrong and... She, I don't know, she has, like, a weird, like, business sense better than both of her brothers in a way. There's a calculatedness, I think, maybe to her sure. character. Because she works in the world of politics. Maybe that's maybe that's a good way of putting it. She is, like, because Ken is not really calculated. He's just, like, a bull in a china shop. Right. With her, it's all optics. Right. Like she comes from the world of optics. Like, I, I, I wouldn't even describe it as right or wrong. I would, I would describe it as, like, useful and not useful. And Roman, ultimately, he comes in with just the, he can just fucking read a room. Right. He gets it. Emotional intelligence, yeah. Right. The thing he says here is, Ken, we're not shit. We're nobody. We don't matter. And he finally says the thing that the whole show has been about. Right. Right? Yeah. And it's interesting that it comes from Roman, who in the first episode seems like the most vain fucking piece of shit. Who, you know, it's all about, oh, how can I fucking waste money? How can I? Offers to give a the, the, the son of a farmhand, essentially, a million dollars if he can hit a home run in softball. And then crushes his dreams and tears the check in front of him. That's basically the first significant Roman moment. Yeah. <laughs> right. And he's the one who's like, we're nothing, dude. Sure. Yeah. No, and that's what I'm saying, though. But, like, he gets this moment of emotional clarity. And he goes to the bar and he sips on his martini and he's like, man, I'm finally out. And he does that little bit of a smirk. And, you know, buried in that is so many layers of fucked up. Like, there is so much, like, deep psychological trauma in that kid. By the way, the scene with Kendall, the hug, where he opens up the... Oh, my God. Yeah, what does he say? It's like, the stitches look too good. Like, people will wonder why it's not me. It was such a weird piece of logic there. But it was like, if... 
if I don't look bloodied enough, people will question why I'm not qualified. So like I have to like bloody myself up more. You have to demean me and make me look worse. I think it's just this idea that like Roman is so fucked up that his he thinks that taking the beatings is the equivalent of love. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like his his love and hate receptors are all fucked up because he was abused. Yeah. And he thinks that I have to be beat up in order to be loved. Right. And that's his problem. Yeah. And Kendall identifies that because he's his older brother and is kind of the surrogate father in this moment and knows like this is what this kid needs. But like, yeah, he gets this moment of clarity. I think in that scene, he goes, yeah, we're all bullshit. This is bullshit. We don't matter. And then at the end, he goes, okay. And he takes like a deep breath and he goes, okay. Almost like, yeah, I said it. It's the truth. It sounded right. You know, it sounded like the truth. It's the first honest thing I've said in my whole fucking life, basically. The only thing that's actually made sense to me. And now, like, I can take my money and I can run away. I can run away from this life and I can try to piece it together with, you know, the billions of dollars in my back pocket. That's the thing, too, is, like, it's, it's hard to call this a bleak ending when all of these characters are walking away with millions of dollars. I mean, they got an unbelievable deal. Right. Yeah, the price that they sold for was way above market value. Because they convinced Madsen that they were going to bail. Like, they, they got Madsen's emotions riled up sure. to agree to a shitty deal. Yeah, no, it's, it's a massive victory. They should be very satisfied if they were competent people like their father or like Frank, for example, or like any of the suits that were in that meeting. Uh, yeah, they would be happy with this outcome. I half expected Ken, though, when he walked away from that vote, got on the elevator. I half expected him to go up to the roof and jump, dude. I mean, I think everyone in the audience was thinking that. Yeah. Oh, and I'm happy that they didn't. But again, like that's like finale brain training us to think that. Sure. You know, Uh, he's the only guy that didn't get the happy ending. I'll say that. I I think like that is unambiguously a very bad ending for him stuck in the cycle that his father was stuck in, except just less successful at it. He's got his father's bodyguard following him around, you know, Central Park. Yeah. So that guy behind him, the blurred guy, was his bodyguard, right? Yeah. Yeah. um, I don't know. It just seemed like a weird shot for there to be this blurred figure in the background. I was like, who is that? Like, it felt like by blurring him, they were trying to make him look like Logan or something or. Oh, interesting. But I don't know. It just it just the fact that he was so in the shot, so prominent, but blurred. Yeah. Seemed like a strange choice. That I couldn't quite. I mean, I mean, I'm gonna be reading into it too much. Oh, that's probably interesting. Am. Though, the idea of like his like ghost hanging over him. Yeah. Yeah, I thought of it more like I was thinking about the first episode of the season when Logan goes through the walk in the park before the diner conversation with the bodyguard, and so like I thought it was kind of like mirroring that a little bit of like maybe that makes more sense. He's he's walking the same path as that his father did, except just not as successfully. You know, th- there was a lot of emphasis actually put on. The shot when Tom walks into the limo at the end, they frame him super close up in um, from behind from back. Pro- is that back profile? I guess would be the term. It's not profile, but from behind that shot of Logan in the theme song in the opening credits of the of the show is sort of mirrored with Tom at the end. And uh, apparently My- Mark Mylod, who directed most of the show, intentionally put those shots in there to sort of signify that Tom was ascending to the same position in the frame that Logan occupied. But in that particular sequence with Kendall at the end, particularly when he sits on the bench and he's looking out into the water, he looks so small in the frame. 
And that's kind of like how I read that final sequence. It's like he is taking all the correct steps, but just in the wrong way, you know, just marching in the wrong direction. And, and, uh, like, yeah, that's the tragedy of him, right? It's like he did everything he fucking could have, but he's just not his dad, you know? Uh, and so, like, if the show is tragic, which I think it is, I think it is a tragedy in, like, a Shakespearean tradition. Yeah, it sense. is. No, of course that is, yeah. Like, that, that's the tragedy of the show is Kendall. Um, I don't know. I just think the other characters, I, don't, I like, it worked out for Greg. Jerry's keeping her job. Carl and Frank can go fucking to Barbados or whatever and sip on martinis and to a degree the show kind of forgets roman it kind of in a way that mirrors how roman is already sort of the forgotten black sheep of the family yes you know what i mean it's kind of appropriate that we don't really get a sense of like what's roman gonna do now he's probably just gonna go stay with his mom god that whole sequence in barbados too was tremendous yeah the scene on the beach where they're doing impressions of him yeah like oh you killed me guys i can't believe you killed me like <laughs> <laughs> just I, I know like i i play the fucking vin diesel drop enough on this podcast or whatever and familia yeah like i get you it is about family though <laughs> like that's why i think this is one of the great shows of all time like it lets these kids actually be a family and th- this finale spends a lot of time letting them be that too up until the end where in in the boardroom where they they essentially mirror the story that Shiv told about her father at his funeral when they were outside his office playing and making a ruckus and he came out mad at them. Like a similar thing was happening here. Like they were outside the room while all the adults were doing the important work in the other room, making sure the numbers were okay. And they were fucking wrestling with each other. The actual physical fighting was, and then Rome getting in being like, she, yo, she's fucking pregnant. Like Ken tried to kill her. I mean, Ken tried to kill Rome. Yeah. He fucking put his hands on his eyes like he was going to crush his skull. Well, after Roman said the most below the belt thing you can possibly say to a person. Sure. Yeah. What, what did he say about the kids? One of them was paid for. The other one is half Rava, half some other fucking guy. The milkman or some shit yeah, like that. So yeah. Like, like terrible. And even Shiv in that moment, I love when the show fucking does this. Because no, Shiv is against Kendall and then all of a sudden she's like, yo, yeah, too far. But that's what happens in families though. That It feels real. It feels like real sibling arguments. Yes. It's like that scene when in, in season two where Logan slaps um, Roman and and this is the season where like Kendall is just his, is just a fucking cuck for Logan because Logan had just used the, you know, the waiter blackmail against him. And Kendall stands up to him. Like, he yells at his father, that's not okay that you did that. Like, that's what families do all the time. It's like... It's it's the way you argue with somebody that you simultaneously love and hate. Yes. Yeah, because the, the alliances, too, are constantly shifting between them. Right. It's like, I'm on your side until you use a weapon that's a little too hardcore, and then I have to suddenly step in and be the referee. And the way that they're refereeing for each other as they're all arguing with each other. It's an incredible show. The the director, uh, I want to end on this because I do got to run. Oh, but, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the director says, you know, I don't think I'll ever make a show this good because of all of the amazing people. And it's just every fucking person on this show was incredible. It's the best acted show I've ever seen. Yeah. Period. I told you in the group chat last night, I'm comfortable putting it on the Mount Rushmore. Mad Men is off. Succession is on. Apologies to Don Draper. 
I don't know about that, but I think it's on. I think I, I think I'm okay. At least in the drama department, I think it's one of my top four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you say? Breaking Breaking Bad, Wire, Sopranos, and this. Yeah, I, if if you let me put Saul under the Breaking Bad umbrella. Yeah, of course. I think I'm comfortable with. I, I nothing nothing less. Sure. I would expect nothing less. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right, that's it. Uh, that, that thank you HBO for entertaining me for <laughs> several Sunday nights. And what's uh, next? Pump it out! Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think they're doing just house flipping shows now on HBO. I think that's the deal with Max. So, uh, I guess enjoy all the the Property Brothers content coming your way soon. Uh, all right, that's it. Bye. Bye. Bye.